Welcome back to the Magic Story Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie. And I'm your other host, Harless. This is the podcast where we recap the fiction story of Magic the Gathering and add our own flavor text, speculation, and reactions. We are currently in season three, where we are talking all about the story of Phyrexia, All Will Be One. In today's episode, we will be covering the final story and the main story arc for the set, Inevitable Resolutions by Shannon McGuire. Did you hear that? This is the final story in the main story arc for Phyrexia All Will Be One. I am so excited. And I'll note here that this isn't the end of the season. So stay tuned because there will be one more story coming after this one. But for now, join us as we head into the multiverse. So before we jump into the final episode of this main story arc, Natalie is going to tell us a little bit about what got us here. So if you've been following along with Phyrexia, all will be one so far in the main story. We are on New Phyrexia, which a long time ago, this plane was actually called Mirrodin. And so there is a resistance of Mirrens who are rising up to fight back against the Phyrexians. And they have the help of our merry band of planeswalkers currently on New Phyrexia with a plan to bring an artifact called the Silex to a place called the Seed Core, which is the heart of New Phyrexia, to destroy Elish Norn's Realm Breaker, which is a distorted version of the Kaldheim's World Tree. And where we left off last time is that in episode four, our planeswalkers walked through the dangers of the fair basilica, deeper still into the mycosynth gardens. And then at last they arrived at the seed core. And at the very end of the last episode, they had witnessed how big the realm breaker had grown. It was beginning to create something called omen paths into the blind eternities. They were too late. And at the very end, if you remember, a Johnny and Tybalt, who are both Phyrexianized, appeared, and Elspeth and Tyvar Kell had to face off against them. We left off on a massive cliffhanger last time. Yeah, that's a bit of an understatement. So the Planeswalkers have just split up again. Their numbers are getting smaller and smaller. And we follow Kaito, Kaya, and Jace as they move deeper into the seed core. Here's a description from the story. The space was airy and infinite, filled with shafts of buttery, obscenely golden light untainted by the horrors it had filtered through. And Kaya is actually trying to figure out where this light is coming from because there's no sun. They're below the surface of what had been Mirrodin and there is just no obvious source of this light that's pouring out. But everything around them is just like glittering and shining. And there's even this dissonant harmony that they hear as they walk through that to be honest, sounds really eerie. It must be so disorientating because I'm trying to imagine if you were deep inside of a plane. Mirrodin is built with layers and the deeper you go, the farther away from the surface. And Mirrodin has five suns, so I imagine it's very bright up near the surface. But then the deeper you go, the deeper you're kind of going into the bowels of this Phyrexianized pit. And so I'm trying to imagine how how strange it must feel to be this deep underground in a place that must feel very, very dangerous and just 
not like the planeswalkers should be here. And Jace, by the way, if you remember, Jace, Jace is struggling with Phyresis at this point. He is, he is not looking good. There are wires growing out of his skin now, and he is uncharacteristically letting them see that he is hurt. Kaya compares Jace to a cat. She says, Jace never wanted anyone to see when he was hurt, preferring to mask the damage and present himself as perfectly fine. And now he was walking wounded. And Kaito is visibly anxious, to the point that his droid Pompone is comforting him. Now Kaya thinks to herself that she wishes she'd brought a little friend to comfort her. And then she remembers, like, she did come with friends. They're just all gone now. Tyvar, Nahiri, and Elspeth are all unaccounted for right now. Veraska is gone. Jace is giving into his phyresis by the minute. And don't forget, the Roundbreaker is completed. This is really not looking good. This is a terrible, terrible situation they're in. They always knew that the stakes were high and the odds were against them. But this seems like the whole the whole time they've been on Nuphorexia has just gone from bad to worse. It started out bad. And then it is slowly spiraled into events that are just picking the planeswalkers off one by one. I I am with you, Kaya. I'm scared. And as they walk, Kaido remarks on the lack of spirits here. He says, I'm not particularly sensitive to spirits, but Poseju, the great tree in Kamigawa, exists in harmony with everything around it. It's filled with kami, with spirits. Everything in Kamigawa is. This place... The spirits must have been consumed along with everything else, or they would be screaming without end. I don't think you'd have to be sensitive to pick up on that. And Kaya agrees. This plane should be absolutely crawling with the spirits of the dead, but there are none. She notes that Phyrexia didn't release its victims, not even in death. Just as the hopelessness of the entire situation begins to envelop them all, Kaido sees an entrance that leads deeper into the Seed Corps. Now, this entrance is actually a hole in the ground, and Kaido helps Jace through the opening, and as Kaya helps Jace, kind of, she kind of receives him from the bottom, and as she helps him down, she can't help but use her phasing powers to phase herself out of the physical world as the wires growing out of his arm nuzzled against oh. her skin. Oh, I can't imagine that. Like, he's still her friend. He's still her very close friend, and he's still there. It's the the active Phyrexian growing within him is just, I, I can't imagine. <laughs> it's just, I, I can't help but feel for Jace right now. <laughs> I can't help but feel for Kaya too. You know, like you don't want to be like, Ick, when you're, when you're helping I your know. friend who can't help it. But Jace actually tells her telepathically, it's almost over. <gasps> and I really love that moment. Jace has this really tough exterior, but as we saw with Braska, he loves deeply his body is turning into something monstrous and he's still consoling Kaya. Like he's not judging her for being put off by his new, let's say appendages. He's just being helpful and encouraging. And I love that. I, I, this hurts. This, this, this physically hurts to see Jace, Jace unravel like this, just slowly decline into phyresis and still being Jace. It makes me really not want to lose him. I, I really do not want to lose Jace, but I know it is just a ticking clock. Yeah, it's uh this story was very nerve-wracking. I it was a page turner and really we're about to get into 
some action here. So, um, so Jace actually unpacks this Silex at this moment and Kaya and Kaido step back to give him space. Kaido asks if it's safe to be this close to the Silex when Jace uses it inevitably. And Kaya reminds him that Urza had lived through detonating it and it was in his own lap. So they're probably fine? Question mark. Still, she can't help but realize that if she dies here, she won't get to become a ghost herself. She'll just be gone. The truth is, this shockwave could take all of Mirrodin out. Now, Kaya asks Jace if he's sure they should even do this at this point. The invasion tree has connected with all these other planes. And the Silex's purpose is to, quote unquote, wipe everything clean. So if the blast travels along the branches of the Realm Breaker, it could damage or even destroy every plane it's currently in contact with. But Jace tells her that if Phyrexia has reached these planes at all, then they're already casualties of the Phyrexian War. Whoa. Uh, hmm. That's, I get it. I do. But that's bleak. It's, it's, it's basically, it, it is very extreme. It's basically saying all is lost, period. Either, either the Phyrexians have already gotten there or the Silex will destroy them. Like there's, there's really no hope at this point. I'm, I, it's like I said, it's bleak. So Kaido jumps in and he's here to save Kamigawa, not destroy it. Kaya pipes up again. She says, the Silex obliterates everything it touches, said Kaya. Even time was fractured when Urza used the original. There was a chance Mirrodin would survive before the tree was completed, and the explosion would have been contained to this plane. Now, if it can travel through these omen paths that Tyvar saw forming in the branches, Jace, we could destroy everything. We could blow up the blind eternities. You have to wait. Now, Jace is calm as he responds, and he tells them that Vraska is dead and I am dying. And then he tells them that his body, if he's Phyrexianized, is going to continue and all of his powers are going to turn against all of them. And he actually advises them here that they should kill him before that can happen. And then he says, and here's a quote, you have no idea how much time and energy I spend not destroying the minds around me just because I can or how hard I've worked to find a way to move in a multiverse of such simplicity without doing endless damage. I will be an incredible weapon for Phyrexian dominance. And at this point, his eyes like flash with this very inhuman blue glow and it's brighter than the normal glow that he has. And he visibly composes himself here and then says, they're starting to speak through me, Kaya. We are out of time. Every moment we wait, Every second we spend dithering over your sudden need to be the hero, not just the savior, means another plane is potentially lost. We're destroying nothing. We're preventing greater deaths. Blame Phyrexia, not us. And then he sighs and looks exhausted and says, and there is no other way. Better to fulfill the promise of the Silex and scorch the branches, sweep it all away, than to lose the entire multiverse. Bring the ending. Topple the empires to bring a fresh start. Renew it all. And then he begins to lift the Silex into his lap to start the ritual. I, I'm getting goosebumps. I <laughs> I can't I can't tell if Jace is right. He is? Question? I I think he is. I, I think I'm in agreement with Jace right now. It's it's just it's crazy, but I am a little bit in agreement. <laughs> Does but that make Kaya, me bad? <laughs> well, I okay. 
you know what? I feel like I'm usually the one that like sides with the baddie here. So it's, it's a little refreshing for once to not be the person siding with the baddie. But, you know, I, I kind of see Kaya and Kaido's stance here. They are not saying that to them, this isn't, this isn't this logistical move to them. This is your, you want to destroy my home. You want to destroy not just my, my home, my village, my plane of existence, right? Like that is, that's huge, right? That is not undoable. I suppose I see that point, but I'm also, I'm also seeing Jace's perspective here where maybe it's already too late. We don't know. The, the, the planeswalkers standing here don't know. All that they know is that Elish Norn's Realmbreaker is in the Blind Eternities. She has already gained passageway through the multiverse, and there is nothing stopping Phyrexia from taking over everything. There, there's literally nothing stopping Elish Norn and the Phyrexians from bending the entire multiverse into, into their command. So from Jace's perspective, it it is already lost. And and if if he's right, the only thing that can stop it is the Silex. And and he's right in that they are wasting time on trying to deliberate on whether there's something worth saving out there when they don't know whether there's anything worth saving out there. It is such I, I feel like a terrible person saying that. <laughs> And I know it is such a bleak way of looking at things, but that I see how Jace is looking at it and he is struggling. I can tell that he is struggling with the firesis within him and he knows that he only has minutes left. And if he is going to do this, he has to do it now. Yeah. And I think there's just, you're that you're right. There's just no time for nuanced discussion. There is only, I believe this is right. Wait, I believe this is right. And then the action happens. Kaya jumps into action, grabbing his wrist to stop him. She pulls her dagger out, and Jace's eyes begin to glow blue. Neither of them said a word. Kaito looked between them, briefly confused, before pulling his sword and falling into position besides Kaya. I'm sorry, Jace, but I can't let you risk Kamigawa, he said. Very well then, said Jace, and slowly, laboriously, rose. Okay, so remember how at the end of last episode, we left off with a Johnny and Elspeth about to face off, as well as Tybalt and Tyvar about to face off. And back on this bridge, a Johnny and Elspeth immediately clash blades. A Johnny's axe on Elspeth's sword, Luxior. A Johnny tells Elspeth that she can't defeat him and that she should really just consider joining him because it's futile not to. He tells her, We are the ideal. We are the one. And once you come to be one of us, will be stronger in a way you can never have dreamt while you lived in flawed, imperfect flesh. Which, uh, creepy. Yeah, a Johnny is, that is, that is quoting Phyrexian, like, prophecy, pretty much. He is, he is quoting Phyrexian scripture. That is channeling Elish Norn and her ideals through a Johnny. Ew, creepy. <laughs> yeah. So Elspeth tells him that she'll never join him, and that if a Johnny is still in there, somehow, and can hear her, She's sorry. Ajani tells her there's nothing to apologize for and that Phyrexia is nobody's enemy. They just want to bring her, and I quote, home. She tells Ajani this makes them everyone's enemy. So be it, he responds and says, you do not need to be alive to join Phyrexia. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Whoa. Like this is her mentor. 
Yeah, that her best is, friend. Her, her best very friend. Very best friend. Her mentor. Remember, he still wears a, like, I guess not anymore, actually, because he had her cloak on, but he gave it to... He gave it to Tezzeret. Tezzeret. So he doesn't even have her cloak anymore. This just, and he's Phyrexianized, and, and he looks Phyrexianized, and this just has to be so hard for her. It has to be so... And yeah. then he says, you don't need to be alive to join Phyrexia. Like, Ouch. oh my God. Ouch. Yeah, if she thought there was anything left of Ajani in there, I don't know that she does anymore. Yeah. So Ajani attacks Elspeth. He swings his axe so hard that he takes a chunk of the bridge out as she dodges him. She swipes at his knees with her sword and he moves out of the way. The battle is on. Now close by, Tyvar and Tybalt are also facing off. And this is not their first time seeing one another. And I'll just say that there's no love lost between these two. <laughs> that's, that's putting it mildly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Tybar is using his blades to keep the two barbs at the end of Tybalt's split tail at bay. Now, remember when he was Phyrexianized, he had like a bifurcated tail and it just split entirely down the middle with his Phyrexianization. And so he now has like these two tails whipping around, which is kind of cool. And thank goodness Tybar is still using the Glimmer Void on his skin because glistening oil is just dripping from Tybalt's body like venom. So Tybalt tells Tyvar that he will be the last prince of call time and that he's too stupid to understand when he should be afraid. He's just really rude. Oh, he's very rude. (laughs) Yeah, he's just, he's so like snarky the whole time. He's like, oh, you're too stupid to even know when to be afraid. Well, that's Tybalt though. That is so Tybalt. Yeah, Tybalt by nature is very snarky. I mean, he's the god of lies, right? Like he is just not a kind-hearted person. No, definitely not. But- he so he's really just being himself here and just spitting insults after insults after insults. Yeah, and this is the first time that we've really seen Tybalt on the podcast. We haven't been introduced to Dip, to Tybalt prior to this moment, but we didn't really need to give much background because Tyvar and Tybalt have had a rivalry in the past. It just it, it's kind of all coming to a head here. So they continue to battle until eventually Tybalt looks away from Tyvar long enough to smile at Elspeth and say, Doubt, the greatest weapon of them all. So Tybalt has, just for a little bit of context here, Tybalt has the, he's an empath and he has the ability to spread things like doubt, despair, and pain. So that's why he's able to do this and that's why he's turning to Elspeth at this moment. He senses her doubt and he's able to manipulate it. Now, Elspeth is already struggling in the fight against Johnny. And she feels this wave of doubt just rush over her. And she she begins to blame herself for, well, kind of everything, honestly. She blames herself for not noticing that Johnny was infected sooner, for not being a better student to him, for being distracted with her own problems even, as if she could control that. As if that is a reasonable amount of pressure for anyone. I know that Elspeth is a hero, but no one can be that perfect. No one is expected to be that perfect. Now, Elspeth can't predict the future, which is what she would have had to have done in order to be able to have even a hope of correcting the majority of the things that she's blaming herself for. However, this doubt is making her think in black and white. She's either able to save everyone or she's not really a hero and she's going to let everyone down. Uh, This is totally Tybalt manipulating her into thinking this way. It it has to be this this doubt that he's feeding her with his ability. That's just so unfair. And she even starts to blame herself for not getting to the furnace layer fast enough to save Braska, who was already exposed to Phyresis long before they were able to get to her. It isn't like they were just sitting around wasting time. They fought to get here when they did. 
But regardless of all of this, Elspeth thinks it's all down to her. And this allows Ajani to catch her off guard. He's able to knock Luxior out of her hands. And she backs away with her arms up, and from across the bridge, Tybalt laughs as he continues to attack Tyvar. And seeing Elspeth like this, Tyvar starts to feel like all hope is lost. So we switch perspectives again, and we switch back with Kaya, Jace, and Kaito. And Kaya lunges for Jace in this moment, only to find that she's fallen for one of his illusions. He's pleading with her to understand his perspective. He says, they came here to save the multiverse. And he's totally right in saying that. He is right. That's the truth. Yeah. Like, they they did come here to save the multiverse. This was their plan all along. Like, this was Karn's plan from the beginning, and they're just following through with what the plan was. To be fair, he is correct. That detonating the Silex might destroy all the planes connected to the Realm Breaker, but that the rest of the multiverse will live. And that's what they came here to do. Yeah, but that's saying that it's okay to let countless people be destroyed along with their planes, potentially. And this causes Kaya to call him heartless. And she retorts that the multiverse isn't dying. Like, this isn't this moment where he has to, like, say, revitalize everything by doing this. They're not dying. They've been invaded, but it hasn't gotten to that point yet. So she feels like he's being extremist. And she also feels like he's reading her mind because he's bringing some of her deepest fears and weaknesses into the conversation. And the Jace that Kaya knows would never do this to his friends, not even to Nahiri, who he's never gotten along with. And she's really struggling with this. And you can see the phyresis kind of starting to take over Jace here. So... At this moment, Jace phases, he has the ability, he phases into three forms, but Kaya has a trick up her sleeve. She can detect spirit energy. She phases into her ghost form and is quickly able to tell which Jace has a spirit attached to it. She points the correct form out to Kaido, who pulls out a handful of shuriken and uses his telekinesis to send them all towards Jace's injured arm. He's trying to stop Jace and nothing more. As Kaya approaches Jace, he begins pleading with her again. Jace has become more and more Phyrexian by the moment. And he has these wire strands that actually look a lot like the tendrils of Vraska's hair coming out of his arms and body, which is kind of sweet in this weird way. And they're starting to light up at the tips. And I quote the story here, like their eyes were opening and they're beginning to weave around Jace's arms and they're aiming to cut off his circulation here. And... The speed of Phyrexian completion is just shocking Kaya. She says it was like a nightmare the likes of which she'd never considered and she wanted nothing more than to wake from. And this is our first time, at least on this podcast, seeing it real time. We had come across Phyresis or Phyrexianization completion after it had kind of already happened. Like Vraska was already Phyrexianized by the time that Jace and everyone got there, you know, we had sort of seen it with Ajani when he reveals that he's a sleeper agent, but this is the first time that we had seen someone decline in their, who they were and become a Phyrexian before their eyes. Like from the time of the phyresis infecting Jace's body, we have now seen it come to this point and it must be painful to witness. I, I'm, I'm right there with Kaya and that this is a nightmare. This is this is Jace, and we're watching him become this 
monster who is not at all like Jace. And we're just watching him decline because we can tell that this is Jace, but also isn't Jace. Like Jace is logical, but he's not this extreme. This has to be him fighting with the Phyrexian that he's becoming. And Jace says, we have to do this. And Kaya replies, no, you have to do this. We have to save the multiverse. She says that all of the planes not connected to the Realm Breaker right now are connected to the Blind Eternities. And the Blind Eternities are connected to the Realm Breaker. So they blow up the Realm Breaker. They could wipe out everything. Kaya lunges for the Silex and says, it's over, Jace. You lose. We all lose. So back on the bridge, Elspeth is cowering, waiting for a Johnny to strike. And I'm actually just going to read this next passage because, to be honest, it's just really cool and I super enjoyed reading it. Elspeth fell back another step, unable to stand her ground against the waves of despair and doubt washing off Tybalt. The doubt ripped at her, tearing away the veils of virtue and compassion that she had worked so hard for so long to construct until the core of Elspeth Tyrell was exposed. The child who had defied Elish Norn on a plane without any prayer of hope, who had been able to stay unbroken before Phyrexian horrors. A Johnny, seeing his opening, swung his axe at the exposed back of her neck. Elspeth's sword blocked the blow, unexpectedly raised between them. He paused, blinking in surprise, only to realize that the look in her eyes was that of a cornered, feral creature. Oh, so cool. So this inspires Tyvar, who waits for Tybalt's next strike with his barbed tail. When Tybalt attacks, Tyvar grabs the tail just behind the barb and bends it back. He then uses his transmutation abilities to spread the glimmer void that's covering his skin onto Tybalt. Tybalt asks Tyvar what he's doing. My magic suppresses whatever it engulfs, said Tyvar, and smiled, bearing metal teeth like a threat. Your doubt can't touch what it can't reach. Elspeth's stance grew in confidence by the moment, until two things happened. The glimmer void metal swallowed the last of Tybalt's flesh, and a pulse of hope strong enough that it felt like it should have burned the infection entirely from Phyrexia, like it should have lit up the blind eternities, surged from her body. Then this white light blasts out of Luxior, her sword, sending a Johnny backwards. And this allows Elspeth to regain her footing and get into an offensive stance. Elspeth slams the hilt of her sword into a Johnny's neck, knocking him to the ground unconscious. Tyvar tells Elspeth he can handle Tybalt, and she takes off towards Jace, Kaya, and Kaito. The last thing she sees is Tyvar take the barbs on Tybalt's tail and drive them into his heart. Tyvar then pushes him off the bridge. Wow, that's also very brutal. <laughs> okay, bud, you're going to put doubt in my friend's mind. Well, I'll just push you off the bridge. <laughs> like <laughs> before, and, and I'm going to impale you with your own tail first. Right. Just, whoa, okay. <laughs> All right, now we're back with Kaya, Jace, and Kaito. And Jace is still avoiding them with his illusions. Kaito shouts out to Kaya, and Kaya turns to see the real Jace as the wires cover his face and his eyes begin to burn a brighter blue. He disappears with an illusion and begins to operate the Silex. He scratches his forehead, and a substance that isn't quite blood falls into the bowl. With an almost physical effort that caused him to flicker into momentary visibility, he forced his grief and fury into the bowl. Not only his grief, 
the suffering and sorrow-drenched agony of all Mirrodin. Regret for the multiverse, the love of Vraska. It poured into the Silex like the finest honey, so thick and pure he could almost see it. The words didn't matter. Jace knew that, but they felt right anyway. Urza had said them so long ago. Teferi had seen it, and Kaya through him, and Jace through her. An unbroken line, then to now. One end to another. Wipe the land clear. Bring the ending, he murmured. I'm sorry. Jace's voice echoes through the space, and the bowl of the Silex begins to fill with light. Kaya cries out and kind of moves to block Kaya from the impending blast. So they don't see Elspeth come in. Jace turned to face her, his eyes ablaze with merciless blue light. Somehow in that moment, she understood everything. What Jace had resolved to do, what was about to happen, not just to Mirrodin, but to the multiverse itself. Elspeth saw with perfect clarity what needed to be done. She didn't hesitate. In a single convulsive motion, she drove her blade through Jace and shoved him aside, <gasps> letting his body take the sword with him as he fell and grabbing the Silex in her own hands. She had time to glance at Kaya and Kaito as light crusted over the lip of the Silex and a sharp crack echoed through the room, marking her disappearance. The Silex went with her, bound for some unknown destination, some point beyond the blind eternities. What just happened? Yeah. So Elspeth, the hero, again, coming in to save the day, coming in to fix everything, just immediately grokks the situation and takes action. And wow, she's just, she's gone. She's disappeared. Holy moly. Like she, okay, she just killed Jace. <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna flag. I know that he was not Jace. He was Phyrexianized. He was gone. He was lost. But she just killed Jace. Yeah. And I, I wish you could see my hand gestures right now. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's flailing a little wildly. I will, I will attest to that. <laughs> she just killed Jace. Elspeth just killed Jace, the not Jace. The, the Phyrexianized Jace, but still, she just killed him. She just stabbed him. And the Silex was detonating. It was detonating. We knew from last episode that the flash means the Silex goes off. That's exactly that is the that is our clue that the Silex has been activated because that's what we saw when Teferi went back to see it with Urza. And it was going off. And right at that second, Elspeth planes walked with it in her hands to somewhere. Somewhere unknown <laughs> question mark yes absolutely okay so tyvar enters the room as booms can be heard all around the seed core there's this series of massive sounds that are just consuming everything and they send this wave of pressure down the trunk of the realm breaker as it pulses with light and each time the light pulses the air lights up with this oil slick array of impossible colors yanking the world around them through a cycle of nights and days as quickly as a heartbeat the tree had been fully activated and was transmitting across the multiverse. The shock knocks everyone off balance. As the others looked up and saw the branches of the Realm Breaker, winking out in flashes of impossible light, connected to the tree, but gone at the same time. Each branch, with its heavy burden of Phyrexian invaders, had reached for another plane and would shed their terrible fruit there to complete new fertile soil. So this is bad. This is really bad, all. This is really, really bad. <laughs> the invasion tree has accessed 
uh, we don't know how many planes in the multiverse. All of them? Question. All uh, maybe, of them? Maybe. So Kaya also doesn't hesitate to call the situation like she sees it. Elspeth and Jace are gone, as is the Silex. And as if that wasn't bad enough, Kaido senses someone coming. Everyone hides and readies their weapons. So I was so hung up on the intensity of what just happened. That I forgot how Kaya must feel. <laughs> she just saw Elspeth disappear with the Silex. She just saw Jace die. And she's standing there with Kaito. Like, they're the only two left. They're all that's left. And they're watching the Realm Breaker activate. <laughs> it's, I, I, oh, I feel for Kaya right now. I feel for Kaya right now. A figure, almost skeletally thin, made of flensed red tissue and gleaming porcelain white metal, stepped into the room. Elish Norn turned her eyeless face toward the remaining planeswalkers and smiled. Even as a squadron of Phyrexian warriors slipped in after her. I knew this wouldn't be a friendly visitor, but... Elish Norn, Elish Norn appears now. Like Come it doesn't on. get worse. It does not get it worse. It does not get any worse. And nearly as bad, Kaito sees Tamiya next to her. Now, Tamiya was completed at the end of the story for Kamigawa, the On Dynasty, after Tezzeret kidnapped her. And you can find that story at mtgstory.com. But what's important to know is that Tamiya is one of Kaito's close friends, and this is just harrowing for the ninja planeswalker Kaito. The story describes Tamiya's new Phyrexianized form as her softness being sharpened to bladed points, her eyes traced by black trails of glistening oil. So it's really apparent from the get-go she's been completed and she's here with Elish Norn. Elish Norn welcomes the weary travelers and then turns to Jace's corpse on the ground and animates it to come towards her so that it can join it's new master. It's getting worse. I just said it can't get worse. And here it goes. I think you've jinxed us now. Harlis. I did. I did. <laughs> oh my God. When Kaito responds to this by grabbing Elspeth's sword from Jace's body, Elish Norn speaks again. She says, we offer you no threat. We offer only harmony and peace. We are one. All will be one. Why resist? Your friends are already here. And this is just gut punch after gut punch after gut punch, because next up is Nahiri. And I'll read this from the story. Nahiri had clearly not survived her fall. The spikes that had been breaking through the skin of her back and shoulders were more pronounced now, turning her outline into a grotesque parody of her own floating cloud of blades. Her hands were gone, arms replaced from the elbow down with metal blades. Cracks ran through the metallic skin of her body, showing molten metal beneath, and her eyes glowed with the same terrible burning heat. And I really think you did jinx us, Harless, because I really hate to say it, but next comes Nyssa. No! Another figure followed her on a forest of whip-thin cabling, using the root-link formations of her lower body like tentacles as she settled by the other Phyrexian side. Extra appendages sprouted from the woody protrusions covering her flesh. Her face, like Tamio's, was marked with glistening oil. Kaya stared. The Nyssa she knew was gone. Nothing of the soft-spoken animist remained. And then Elish Norn speaks up again. She says, Nahiri fought us, but she found peace and a better way in the one. She and Nyssa came from the same place, but they were never friends. Now they are sisters, united. Finally, on the same side in every way. They are one. 
You too can be one. Only yield, and it will be over quickly. No, said Tyvar. I'm good, said Kaido. Go to hell, said Kaya. Such hostility, said Elishnorn. It seems we have no way to an accord then. If you would be our enemies, then very well. Enemies it is. With that, Elishnorn raised her hand, clicking her perfect claws together, and the invasion began. Another cliffhanger. So this is the end of the main story. And we know that the next story, the next set is going to be about the Phyrexians as well. We know this at this point. So this is clearly the beginning of something even bigger, which is just blowing my mind. We start with Dominaria where we're like, okay, there's this Phyrexian threat. We move into Brothers War where it's like, okay, we're going to fight this threat. Suddenly we're on New Phyrexia and we are not, things are not going well, right? Like things, things, things are not going did not well. go as planned this season for the Planeswalkers This was all. the worst case scenario period on what could have happened when they came to New Phyrexia. I remember at the beginning of this season, all the Planeswalkers came here and they were like, we got a plan. We're going to bring the Silex to the Seed Core and we're going to blow up Elish Norn and her Realm Breaker. And, you know, we're going to save the multiverse because that's what Planeswalkers do. And it just went from bad to worse. I, going into this season, I knew that there were going to be casualties. I, I knew that there, they couldn't come out of this all fine and dandy. I, I did know that. But I didn't know that this that this story was going to end with literally nothing for our planeswalkers. Uh, this is this is huge. Not just and I, and I don't mean just for this story. This is huge implications for the multiverse and Magic the Gathering. Period. Yeah, let's keep in mind that before this moment in time where they have just invaded basically every plane that can connect to the Blind Eternities, which is a lot. Whereas before, all they could do was one thing at a time. Like maybe they could split up and go to various planes and cause damage. But for the most part, you know, they're able to travel like normal people within the multiverse could travel. Yeah, now, yeah. They can there, go was, there was rules to that where you couldn't be everywhere all at once. That. That just wasn't how the multiverse worked. That wasn't how planeswalking worked. You could go from plane to plane, but there was no feasible way to be able to connect, move through the blind eternities, be in multiple, like be omniscient and and be in multiple planes at a time. Now that is a thing. Like that, that is a thing with the Realm Breaker in that it has breached through the blind eternities and has connected multiple planes all at once. We have never seen that before, period, ever. And it is tremendously bad news for our planeswalkers because let's let's just tally up who we've lost. Who, by the way, not just we've lost, meaning they're, they're dead, meaning they are now on the side of Elish Norn, which means that our planeswalkers left have to defeat their friends who are super powerful planeswalkers to begin with. Yeah, l- like, let's start with Jace. Jace, who just told, had to tell them, hey, you should probably, like, kill me before I turn Phyrexian and can be used against you because I am so powerful and you guys don't even know how powerful I am. We because saw I saw how to... powerful he was. Yeah, like, he literally has to, like, suppress his own magical abilities to even, like, to not break things. And now he's a Phyrexian. What does that mean? That's bad news. Uh, Nahiri. Nahiri. 
who was an ultra powerful lithomancer who can manipulate metals and now who was half made of metal and Nissa it are uh. who can who we saw at the end of last season can manipulate the very essence of a plane she she was able to rally the core of dominaria to fight against itself like she was like summoning elementals and she was able to talk directly to the the essence of the plane and now she can do that as a phyrexian if the plane will let her i do have a little hope on that one because she did get such resistance from the plane when she was trying to connect before she did and i wonder if the planes will not connect with her now like i'm really interested to see how that impacts her magic specifically we'll see in future episodes good news if you like us were wondering what happened to Teferi? We actually have one more episode in this season that we're going to drop that's going to explain just that. It's one of the side stories, and we're going to be covering that one all in the next episode. As always, you can check this story and more out at mtgstory.com. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. And as always, have, have a magical, magical day. day.